With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Raising Hell in Jersey. Uh, I'm your host, Jake Wakeley. Jersey Joe has just joined in. Uh, Hello, everybody. Jim Berenger is going to be joining us here in a couple seconds. And there's Jim here there. He is. How you doing, Jim? What's up? Hold on. Hey, hey. So I hear we got some uh, insight from you. Not uh, potentially. Yeah. Yeah, we're kind of just we started this part. We started this a little early, and then uh, I figured, you know, let's just get it going because they're, they're they're not coming back. <laughs> they're not winning this game, yeah. But the the real the real focus here is they lost this hockey game, but I actually thought they played very well. They did play very well, but. Again, a couple of, you know, mistakes lead to goals, and they just couldn't capitalize on their chances. Um, Carter Hart played well, and, you know, you got to give credit to him for doing that, but uh, the Devils just couldn't take advantage of their opportunities. PK was good. I mean, I only think they faced one power play anyway, but... Still, do you, uh, Jim? Do you like? Do you agree that um, you know their lack of success in the faceoff dot is really costing them right here down the stretch, or do you think it's also? Do you just think like I do that maybe Scott Wedgwood just is not a good goalie? I mean, I'm not gonna blame this on Wedgwood. To be honest, I thought I thought he played well. In fact, he made a couple of big stops, you know, to begin the game and then in the second and then the third. But, I mean, yeah, success at the faceoff dot's important. I thought they um, they won that faceoff that led to the third goal, but the, the battle after winning the draw was just not there. How does Nolan Patrick get that puck out of, you know, out of that scrum? And then it goes over to the point, uh, the shot Gustafson, and then Giroux redirects it in. I mean, I really can't say that was Wedgwood's fault. It's just poor defensive breakdowns. Yeah, they're, they're, I don't think I don't think they're. Um, I don't think the Devils' defense is maybe as good as maybe the coaching staff sought it out to be. And but I, I know they're. I know the team wants to. Get, I know they need to get younger, and it like it rebuilds and retools, whatever you want to call it. They, they take time. They take patience. But, like, getting Brat back is a step in the right direction. But you can you can tell watching these games that Matt Tennyson should never have even played a game. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, yeah, I, I actually got some intel on that for you. Okay. Because I know you asked me to do some stuff on that. Yeah, and um, Vatanen, you can tell they need him back. And this team missed, like, as soon as Blackwood went down when this team started, like, I think it was 3-1 and 3-1. and one. Or two and one and zero or whatever they were when he went down. Uh, you could tell they were gonna have to fight to string some wins together. But you could tell once Blackwood went on COVID, it was like, all right, season barely hasn't even started yet, and we're basically already screwed. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, look, Scott Wedgwood had a bad first game, bounced back nicely. Kulikov and Murray are playing. Pretty good to be honest. I, I think they've been good additions to this Devils lineup. Um, you know, Subban's played better. Uh, Severson had a nice goal tonight. Um, but again, Matt Tennyson, I don't know why he's in this lineup. I really don't know. I just, you're telling me, you're telling me this guy outplayed Will Butcher and in training camp. And now can't get and butcher can't get into the lineup. Yeah, that that's to me. Kind of, go ahead, Joe. To to me, like Tennyson, like makes absolute no sense. I mean, I'd rather play Will Butcher or Connor Carrick over him any given day. Just give me someone new over Tennyson and try and improve the line pairs on the third line. It's just. Tennis is not showing consistency. There's there's too much weakness on that flank. Yeah, and I think the – well, you can tell. And, I mean, Ty Smith played – Ty Smith looks a lot better playing with Damon Severson than he does with Matt Tennyson. I think we can all agree on that. Well, but, also he's playing – and he's also playing his natural side too. Exactly. And I think – and maybe – I don't know, maybe they keep this line together when Nico comes back, whenever that is. But I think Lindy Ruff found something with Andreas Jans and Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt. I think he did too, though. I will say, even though um, even though Bratt had a good start, I was gonna I wanted I was was watching real uh, closely to his ice time and his the way he played. Yeah, he was buzzing, but I could tell towards the end of the game he was falling off a little bit because he hasn't been there. And in the pace of the game, he hasn't seen it yet. Um, and that's good. And that's the thing you're going to watch with these guys on COVID. I mean, who, who come in and haven't played a game or have been on the list. Like, how quickly do they bounce back? I mean, he had great legs to start. I thought his finish could be a little bit better. How um, – the thing – the one thing I don't understand here is, like, I know they're waiting for some guys to get back in the lineup and, and obviously Nico, who we all agree is probably going to be captain of this team moving forward. Um, Vatnin, Blackwood, like those are three key pieces, but am I the only one? I can't. And Aaron, and Aaron just got put on the COVID list today. So that means his visa is in, um, has, has been done. Okay. So that's a step in the right direction. We can finally get a capable backup goalie onto this roster until Blackwood's back. Um, am I the only one? I can't be the only Devils fan that sees this when they see the lines for the game. I know Lindy Ruff doesn't like to 
discuss his scratches and stuff before at practices like most coaches do and the lines and all that stuff. And, I mean, it's the old school way, I guess, but I can't be the only Devils fan that is continuing to be mad that Pavel Zaka is playing on the top six. Like, I know Gusev has struggled, but Pavel Zaka does not deserve to be in the top six of this team. I don't care how bad we are in the depth of this team is. He does not deserve to be in the top six. Maybe I'm wrong. He just doesn't. Sorry. He, he just doesn't possess top six potential. He's a he's a third line at best type forward. I mean, he's a power forward, but I don't see him as a as a two line center winger. No, and to be honest, like Jim, I don't know. Maybe if um if this played a part in maybe him not panning out, like the way they'd hope because if you go back and you watched him at like the under 18s and at the world juniors and stuff. And then in in Sarnia, he was a dominant player. Like people forget that he was a dominant player. Yeah, he was. I mean, and, 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 and the thing is he dominated 19 at 19. So, or 18, 19, whatever it was, but he dominated at that age, which is great. But you shouldn't have expected it coming into the into the NHL because if he was doing it at 16, 17, I'd be like, okay, here we go. Rouse my eyes. But when you're doing it at an older age and breaking all these records, it's like, okay, what's your game going to be like when you transition to the league? And, you know, it's funny because this was another guy you asked me about. And I did some digging on Zaka and – from guys I've been talking to, they might be showcasing him for a trade. That's why he's playing top six minutes. Okay. Yeah, and, and he's been in the rumors and stuff for the last couple off seasons. But I also think part of, like, the problem why he didn't – like, people sh- – we all we all shit on him as, as fans of this team because of where he was <laughs> drafted. Right. But people also have to factor in that you know, his development was not handled properly by this organization because of how bare the cupboard was for this team at the time. So they were forced to rush him after a year in Sarnia into the NHL, and it never, ever panned out. And I think, if I remember correctly, I think I read a quote. Maybe it was Cheryl at the time. And, or maybe it was Hines when they were when they were here, was when they brought Zaka into the lineup at his 19-year-old, I think they were expecting Patrick Iliach's injury wasn't going to take that long to for him to, you know, come back for. And he came back like the last, like, couple weeks of the season. And then you saw how good Zaka was playing with him. And Ilyash was developing him and taking him under his wing. And then they thought Patrick was going to come back for a year and help Zaka develop. Because you could tell Zaka at the time, with Ilyash like mentoring him, it looked like he was going to turn out to be an all right player. But as soon as Ilyash retired, it just sort of felt like Zaka's game just kind of took a massive dip. Well, yeah, I mean, go back to, go back to Ilyash's last game. I mean, what both guys had what three points in that game? Yeah, exactly. So that I was mean, against Toronto. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they played well together. And I, I agree to Jake's point that, you know, maybe they thought Elias was going to stick around for a year, maybe be a coach, whatever. But he only came on, like, he only came up at the back end of that season. There was no reason for him not to go down to um, wherever the team was at the time, whether it be Albany, Binghamton, wherever they were, um, to go down to the AHL and play and develop and, and you know, learn the system and learn how to play against men. And, again, this is what I talk about. You know, you see it around the league, and I'm sorry to go off on a tangent on this, but you see that guys like Kaprizov in Minnesota, 23-year-old, he's played against men, and he's come into the league, and he's looked really good. Um, and then you go over to the Rangers, and I'm bring up Jack Hughes, too. It takes time to adjust to playing against men in a man's game. Ty Smith does not look out of place. Why? He's developed. He's also, you know, probably should have been here two years ago. But maybe that's a good thing that looking back on it, maybe they felt, hey, you know what? It's a man's game. Maybe you just need a little bit more development, put a little bit more size on. You'll be ready to go. Um, but again, it's a man's game. And, and I think you can go down a list of guys the Devils have mishandled in uh, their development. Adam Larson comes to mind. He played really well when Larry Robinson was here. And again, another mentor and got him in and, and figured out how to use him. Also, Scott Stevens was there as well. Um, but again, they thought they were going to have the next Victor Hedman, and he wasn't going to be that. And the expectations on the players. So I think Zaka, look, maybe it took him, maybe it's finally taken him this year, time to realize it's a make or break season for him, and he's coming out like gangbusters. Do I think he's a top six center? No. But I think he, I think he's gonna. If he did stay with the team, he's gonna fill that Zajac role. Yeah, that's that's I I I hundred percent agree with that. I think their plan was all along was to have him be that third line, probably replacement for Zajac, unless unless you know Bulkfist somehow you know figures out his game. But that's. Like a lot of these guys are still young, so people got to learn also to be somewhat patient with some of them. But you can only in the NHL, you can only be patient for so long. Like, if a kid turns out like you know, not everybody is gonna develop like Nathan McKinnon did. Like, Nathan McKinnon came into the NHL and it took him what three to five years before he finally started to you know turn into the elite franchise player that he is now. But not everybody, you know, develops the same way, I guess. And, you know, there's there's always a reason behind the scenes that we don't know about that why they don't. Uh, maybe he was misused. Maybe there's other stuff going on that we don't know about. But Maybe it's a coaching like, staff issue. You, yeah, like lack of confidence for the player. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's lots of things you can pinpoint at, like, but we we talked about developing players, and you know, patience has to has to come. And you know, 2015, 2014 rolled around. This prospect t- covered for this team was bare as can bear be, and it just was. You know, they've added that. they've added a lot of. There was a burden put on Ray Shiro's plate after he took over uh, the Lou Lamarillo uh, second round of that draft, which got us Mackenzie Blackwood. Let's not forget that. It took him a few years to get to the point he is now, but 
we talk about patience. Well, we also have Rogalski running as the goalie coach. And then, okay. Anyways, then you have Clemenson in the AHL who's now running the show and, and bingo. Yeah. So, like, developing, like, yeah. So, with the goalies and stuff, it helps. And Blackwood is a good example, is a great example because he was drafted. He was excellent in the OHL. And he was continuing to be excellent in the OHL. And then he came here to the minors or whatever it was. He struggled and really struggled. They sent him to the ECHL. That's like one of the worst freaking leagues you can go to. <laughs> and, then, and then he comes back up to the AHL. And then, and then he – look at now. He's, he's a number one goalie. And he probably would be ranked higher tiers of goaltenders if he was on a better hockey team. But the, the – the point goes too, though, for developing is, you know, we talked about Zaka coming in at 19 years old and, you know, we're seeing Mercer play well for Chikudami and we're seeing Holtz, you know, his playmaking ability is underrated. We know how good of a scorer he is and how good he's going to be. But these kids turning 19 or not, I'm starting to think, like, you know, Jim, you and I have talked about this numerous times offset yep. here. And we said Holtz was going back to Sweden no matter what. Right. Because he has to. Right. He wasn't going to play this year anyway. Right. And I'm starting to think, as much as I would like to see him next year on this team, I will not be upset one bit next year in training camp, if he comes in and they say, you know what, you're ready for the NHL. We think you're ready. You should be playing on this team, but we're just going to send you back to Sweden for, or Albany or, or sorry, Albany, Binghamton. <laughs> um, the devil's about so many minors. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> um, sending him back to Sweden or down to the minors and saying, you know what, We'll bring you up if you go on a tear or if you feel like you've adjusted, but we just want to give you one more year over in Sweden or in the AHL to just help your development a bit more. Go down there, play some top line minutes, continue to develop your game, tear it up. And the same thing with Mercer. Like Mercer's not going to be here for probably what two years, three years. I'd say I'd say two to three years. I would put Holtz maybe at two years. I definitely put Nolan Foot maybe at two years as well. Um, not to say they can't be there beforehand, but no. But yeah, I think I think having a having them develop together in Bingo would be a beneficial to them. Like we've seen, why you know it's nice to see McLeod finally turn a corner with his buddy uh, Bastion, but why? They developed together in AHL, and they've been together since Miss uh, since Steelhead. So, um, that's a good thing. Yeah, and I think I think if one if one player is of the names that we just mentioned is to make the team next year, it'll be it'll be it'll be Holtz or Foot. That's like a foregone conclusion. It's going to be one of those two, if not both. But. They'll foot will probably get another year. 
Um, but like, it's not like the team is in bad shape. Like they have prospects. Like Tyce Thompson's lighting it up. Like Talvite's looking good. But you can look good all you want where you're playing. But once you get to the NHL, it doesn't mean the success is going to fall no. either. So anyway, on to um, on to the the big question that we've kind of had going on here. Uh, what is going on with Butcher? Did something happen there? Okay, so I uh, trying to dig a little bit tonight, um, as much as I could. Um, I got some answers, but I'm trying. They're trying. They're going to try to give me more later on. Um, from what it seems like, he's just the odd man out right now. Uh, it's nothing that he didn't do anything wrong. Um, they, I know the big thing coming into the training camp of what I was told was that, you know, they weren't sure about his injury at the end of the last season, how well it healed. Um, if, you know, uh, and to, to be honest, I think that was a, a concern that everybody probably had, but um, he had 10 months off, so it really shouldn't have been. Um, unless he was doing nothing and then we're in big problems, but I think they could be using him as trade bait. He's another name that has been in the rumor mill in the off season about packages for people, for players and, but not to showcase him. That's a little odd and not to get in to this lineup. And again, can't keep, you know, beating up, on Matt Tennyson, but you're telling me, well, Butcher can't get in over Matt Tennyson. Uh, I don't buy that. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe he's just not a Lindy Ruff guy. Yeah, Joe, what do you think? About Will Butcher? Yes. Do I think he's not a Lindy Ruff guy? It's hard to tell because he has not played in the game yet. Maybe it's the personality that doesn't mesh but other than that, I need to see him play a couple of games to get a feel. But I, re- I really think if he has been in recent trade discussions, I just think he's going to be mentioned even more in those, and it's going to be even easier for him to be moved. And there's another player, another defenseman out there that's likely going to get moved, and Victor Mete from the Montreal Canadian. Will – Tom Fitzgerald pull pull the trigger on that type of deal. Maybe we can swap a couple guys, possibly maybe a few futures. I don't think you want to trade prospect for prospect. I mean, the guy no. I would be looking at, and then, not to say Mete isn't a guy I wouldn't be looking at, but the guy I'm looking at right now is Vince Dunn in St. Louis. I just sent you that one. Well, no, but obviously – you know, I know you sent it to me, but I also heard it on insider training on the same night that yeah, I don't know what it is that it, I mean a reasonable contract under two million. I mean, Vince Dunn is a good defenseman in in the National Hockey League, so I don't understand what's going on with uh, him in the St. Louis Blues right now. Can you give a scouting report on Vince Dunn to the listeners? I mean, you know, when when obviously when Petrangelo was there, you know, Vince Dunn was was touted as the future of the, the blues. And obviously when he left there, he was like, Oh, he's going to get paid. He's finally going to get his money. Good defenseman, steady shot, plays his position really well. Something that the devils desperately need, um, you know, sounding like a fan there, but I mean, <laughs> but it's true. He's really good positionally. You know, one of the one of young, one of the great young defensemen in this league that has a lot of promise, good upside. 
and somebody the Devils could use. Um, I know he's been in talk. I mean, look, I was told that, you know, when the couple, like maybe back before the trade deadline, the Devils were looking to upgrade goalie. Jake Allen was a part of it. The Devils were trying to get done as well. Hmm. Okay. So, so like, so they tried to really upgrade their goaltending, and then they that didn't work, and then they they looked it done. So that's maybe that's something for us to keep an eye on. Um, I'm just scrolling through my timeline here, and just a heads up to all Devils fans and yep. you guys: your Twitter is probably going to blow up with Ranger fans because Lafreniere scored the overtime winner for his first NHL goal, and my Twitter timeline, besides Devil stuff, is just pure gifts of Lafreniere scoring his first NHL goal, and it is annoying as heck. Yeah, I see. I, we were on the thing. We were. Uh, I, I was watching. I had NHL tonight on, and I saw it, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So another. Um, let's talk about. Um, we'll get to Brat like maybe last because that's that's an important like one of the more things we want to I want to dive into maybe detail wise. Um. Kyle Palmieri struggles. Look, I thought he looked better on the new line. I don't like how much longer do we go here before we start to like really start to ask questions. Joe, what do I you think? am really, really, really pessimistic with Kyle Palmieri right now. I know I don't exactly feel the same way about um, Nikita Gusev. But to me, Palmieri's too one-dimensional without without Nico Heischer. I'm 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 feeling very bearish on Palmieri's stock. Yeah, I mean, sooner or later, like you know, like it's the same thing. Like you're reading, I'm reading social media here right now as we're doing this podcast, and more people are crapping on PK Subban, and I'm thinking like, okay, but I don't really think PK has been that bad this year. I actually think he's been he's pretty okay. good. He's um, okay. He's not, but people need to, like, people need to also understand here that PK Subban is not going to put up 40 or 50 points anymore. It's just not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen, and, and that's the problem. But again, look, Jake, Joe, and myself, we all know Devils fans, you know, they love to, you know, crap on this and crap on that and expect this and expect that. He wasn't the same player. His best years are behind him. Everybody knows that. But he's looked better. And he's looked focused this year. And that's something that's good. As far as Palmieri goes, he's snake bitten right now. And he looks like he's gripping the stick too much. He had a lot of good quality scoring chances tonight and just couldn't put him home. But I think he's there. And it's the same questions everybody's asking about Elias Patterson in Vancouver. What's wrong with Patterson? You know, what's going on? Is it the fact that he's in a contract year and there's so much talk about him that he can't focus on the ice? Jim, do you think – and, Joe, I'll get you to chime in on this after Jim. Do you think 
if Palmieri continues to struggle, it drops his trade value if they go to trade him. Because, like, I I don't know. From what I've seen, like, maybe this team goes on a win streak. Maybe they don't. They got back-to-back now with Buffalo, so that might help. But, like, Buffalo's not – I don't think the Sabres are a good hockey team. I don't care how good, like, Taylor Hall is with that team. I don't think Buffalo is that good of a team. They're not. They're a very beat- they're a very beatable team. That's two games back-to-back the Devils have to look at, like, that's four points we can get right there. But the longer this goes and Palmieri doesn't score and he's not putting up points, does that decrease his trade value if the Devils are out of it come the trade deadline? Or do you think Palmieri's trade value is probably still going to I mean, be pretty high? I mean, it depends. High? If he doesn't have a goal by the trade deadline, then uh, we got problems. Uh, and, and it goes down. Yeah. Um I would say right now he's probably still pretty high, um, but there are concerns. Is that he's not scoring? Um, is he, you know, a product of playing, you know, with good players? Can he cannot carry the line? Like, is he dealing with injury? Is what's what's going on? Um, I think he's right there though because he was shooting the puck. A lot tonight. Look confident shooting the puck. Carter Hart just played well and got some stops. But for the most part, I thought he played well. I mean, I was in a group text. Somebody texted. It's like, Palmieri's been awful. I'm like, I can't. I'm thinking to myself, I can't even respond to this. Like, are you watching the same game I am? Because he had really good scoring chances that just didn't go in the net. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's true. But you know what? Like I, hang on, I'm, I'm going to read a quote here in a minute for what okay. Ruff said um, after. But you want to know, you guys want to know, Joe, I'll get you to chime in on mm-hmm. Paul Mary here in, in like in a second. I just want to make one quick point, and then I want you both to answer at the same time and tell me if you agree with mm-hmm. this, yes or no. Does this Paul Mary struggle right now feel like, He's struggling because he can only play well when he's with Nico Heischer. And does it also remind you, uh, you know, Jim, you might remember it maybe a little better than Joe and I, because I started watching the Devils in about 0102, so I kind of remember it a bit. But the Palmieri situation literally – Reminds me, like Lamorello said in 03, I believe it was in that cup championship um, movie or documentary, whatever they did, that he traded Peter Sikora and Jason Arna because Ilyach, Arna, and Sikora, it seemed like they couldn't do without each other. And it's starting – do you agree that it seems like Palmieri – playing like he can't do without Nico Heischer? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the analogy. I really think, think it's a chemistry problem. I I think he over times himself a little bit, and I know he has it in him, but it's just that he's so accustomed to Nico that it's like missing your better half. And that better half is missing, and there's a lot of adjustments for Kyle. And, you know, it, it, I can see it really, like, burn him, like, in tonight's game. And 
he just like he does feel snake bitten, and he's gonna have to make adjustments before Nico comes back. So, yes and no, but there's always gonna have to be adjustments to every single game Kyle plays, and then once he starts scoring his first goal, he's gonna take off like a rocket. Yeah, I I agree with that, but at the same time. If you really go back and you look at the stats, okay, maybe it might not be telling. You might have to do a digging a little deeper. Like Joe, if you look at if you look at the stats, Kyle Palmieri's really struggled since Taylor Hall left this team. If you really think about it for a second, he has not been well, him and Nico, like, they have a good chemistry together. And Nico, Nico played better, way better, once Hall left. But Palmieri's game started to kind of start to go downhill just a bit, step by step, once Taylor Hall left. It, maybe I'm wrong and I'm watching different hockey than everybody else, but I don't know. It just seems like Palmieri's game just took a step back once now, are you he saying got it traded. Now, you're saying it took and a step back five on five? Or just in general, because like, I mean, to me, when watching him last year, I thought him and Nico played really well together. And I, I mean, Palmer was almost another. He was, you know, thirty goals again. So I mean, and would Hall get traded mid mid December? I would say, I'd say power. Yeah, yeah. I'd say power play. I don't. I just, well, Jim, you and I were talking about it though, and like Joe, and, and I know, I know Joe agrees because I was, I was talking, I was talking to him earlier. During the game, I actually I was I was on um, I was on a video video call with them, and we both said, didn't we, Joe? That like Palmieri needs to go back, and Jim, you said the same thing to me. You messaged me, Palmieri needs to go back to that side where he's good. But that yeah, one I'm watching the, the game. You you'll know it. Begin uh, second period power play. Jack Hughes is on the one side, and I'm seeing Palmieri. Receiving passes on the right side. I'm like, why is he on the right side? Yeah, Joe, I think, think Paul Mary just wasn't on his strong side. I mean, Jack at times was on the left wall, and then he was mo- he was circling over to the top of the blue line and circulating over to the right, and that kind of screws up Paul Mary on the receiving end, and so he has to change his footing and. I really think it's all about the angles when it comes to Paul Mary. So it's just the way you feed Paul Mary the puck. And I think there needs to be more adjustments for Paul Mary. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think so. They got to figure something out. But anyway, the quote I wanted to mention to you guys is Lindy Ruff was asked. Yeah. About the power play? And this was his answer. There's better things to come. That's the answer? Okay. That was his answer. So my question is, so now if I was a reporter, and I <laughs> believe me, I'm not. I know what your I know what my follow-up question is. I have one too. I would have said, "Okay, when?" Cuz I haven't seen it yet. And my follow-up question also would have been, oh, there's better things to come? Maybe you might want to consider putting a guy in that you've got scratched in the press box on the power play. Because no matter what unit Will Butcher plays on on the power play or 
in general, they for the score. Devils, the Devils have the Devils. If you look at the stats, and Butcher you know, loves to shoot. Alex has said the same. Alex is the same thing to us. Will Butcher has that wrist shot from the point too. He shoots. He's not afraid to shoot the puck. But the Devils have more success getting the puck out of their end quicker when he's in the lineup, and they have a better setup on the power play when he's on the power play unit. Like, am I not the – it gets common sense. Like, I don't – and this is a guy that's coached 1,500 games in the NHL. How do you not see? And his answer, he was – at. I read an article on The Athletic. I think it was Corey Massasak put it out. Or it was Mike Morial of NHL.com. It was one of the two. That his answer for playing Tennyson was – he thinks Tennyson brings a more physical element to the defense. So, and to the okay, lineup. so that just puts my theory of <laughs> not being a Lindy Ruff guy, you know, to the forefront. It makes you ask, it makes you have some right. questions. And, I know that. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying fire the guy because I, I think he's an excellent coach and he's obviously he's done wonders for Jack. But, even, so but far. even Jack isn't putting like up the this. points that he should be. If you think about it, he was on a tear. Now he's gone cold again. He looks great with the puck. Don't get yeah. me wrong. He's getting his opportunities. And granted, the entire Devils' offense is struggling right now. So I'm not going to pinpoint it on Jack Hughes. But he was on a tear to begin the season. And now he's, you know, I mean, yeah, granted that Johnson, Goose, uh, Johnson, Bratt, and Hughes line look great. But, again, maybe it's. Like you said, it maybe it's chemistry to who he has. You know, Hughes was playing well when, when he was paired with Palmieri. Now they're split up. Yeah, and that's right. But, you know, and Joe, you and I talked about this too. I know this team is rebuilding. Okay? We all know. We all know this. Okay. And this, we, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take growing pains and it's a process, like Danico said. Um, But. And I know you want to get younger, and it's a young man's game now, and it's all speed, 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 and four-check, four-check, four-check. But you can't – like, I know they had to do this because they got to see what they got in guys, and they don't have a deep roster and all that stuff. And they got young guys coming up to play, and you got to have young guys and all this stuff. And analytics is a big part of the game and stuff like that. And, you know, I know we're doing a hockey podcast here, but – I'll I'll use I'll use the bad outcome of last Sunday's AFC Championship game for an example here for for just just yep. to get my point across, okay? Buffalo was getting absolutely destroyed by Kansas City. Destroyed. It was 20 24 to I think 9 or 21, yeah, 24 to 9. Okay? So, analytics came into this play in two situations. It was fourth and two on the two-yard line for Buffalo. Fourth and two. They went for it earlier in the game at midfield at fourth and one. So, it was successful. And their third down conversions and at fourth and one being aggressive was pretty high. So, when you're trying to play – when you're playing Kansas City, who's a juggernaut in football – your job as a coach is you got to keep up with them and you have to be aggressive. If you don't get nothing, you don't get nothing. 
but they were fourth and two on the two, and they settled for three points on a field goal. They should have went. You go for the touchdown when you're on the two. And they were fourth. I think they were fourth and. And again, I think they were fourth. Yeah, they were either fourth fourth and one or fourth and two. Yeah, fourth, fourth and four. Yeah, they were fourth and four on the eight yard line, and they settled for a field goal too. And I'm sitting here going, okay, so it's twenty four to nine. So nine and seven equals sixteen, and another seven equals twenty three. So you would have been in the game. But it, it's just another thing. Like, there's just analytics come into it, but the Devils are a young team. But I know you got to see what you got in these kids like Quokin and Bastion and McLeod, and they've earned that right. They put the time in to, to get a shot. But as much as you want to go youth here, like, my God, like, can you bring in some veterans or something that have some half-decent skill that can shoot the puck and put the puck in the net? Because besides Paul Mary and maybe Jack Hughes or Brat, if they shoot when they shoot the puck, because Brat's got an underrated shot when he shoots oh. the puck, and so does Hughes. Oof. But Oof. yeah, you just Paul said, Mary, did you just see the same thing no... I saw, Joe Walker? Yes, oh. he got. Oh my, oh. he was. He just he was bleeding like he was bleeding like a gladiator and gladiator. So, like I was saying, the like the you have youth on this team, but like, can we bring in some guys that will actually shoot? I, the I damn agreed. Puck? I agreed. I mean, you're not going to get any complaints from me. We need guys that can shoot the puck. That's the problem. And and this is my argument, and this is my argument for not trading a guy like Kyle Palmieri because everybody's like, oh, you can get great value for it, rebuild draft picks. I said. There comes a point in time when you need veteran leadership on your team and guys that can put the puck in the net. I said, who else is scoring goals if Palmieri goes away? Because they already struggle enough to score goals. I said, where's it coming from? Because I don't see it. I don't think it's coming right. from anywhere if he He's leaves. Like, oh, but you can rebuild. I said, yeah, but it comes like, a point in time where the rebuild ends and you have to start winning. And I know they just had a Patrick Line trade like last week with the exchange of Dubois, but what the Sam Hill happens if Line can't take Tortorella in Columbus? Do you risk trading for Line? I mean, can't hurt to try. Unless he has term on that deal. I'm not trading for him. He's an RFA. Yeah, but if we're if we're gonna if we want the inside scoop if we're trading for yeah, Lainey, we should just ask Neil. Because I don't think I don't think they're doing it, to be honest. And once once Line got traded into this division, unless unless he walks as a free agent in a couple of years or if they don't sign to a long term deal. Columbus isn't trained yeah, exactly. I just don't see it. He would have to go the Panarin route. Yeah, exactly. Like Panarin situation. Yeah, but Panarin was a UFA. Was, he was a UFA. They went for it. They loaded up. You know, they probably should have went further than they did. But you know, Panarin Panarin's situation is a little different. He went into free agency. Uh, from what I re- remember reading here a couple days ago was. 
it was a foregone conclusion with Panarin. He was ready to sign in Florida uh, to play under Joel Quinville. And then once he heard that John Davidson went back to the Rangers, it was basically, okay, send me the contract. I'm in. Yeah. I'll sign. I'll play for him. And it- but, yeah, they, they need they – need I get the youth part and you got prospects coming up, but you got to have veteran leadership like the goal and guys that can put the puck in the net like – for for the young guys, like I'll use the Leafs as an example. I don't like them because <laughs> I don't like to take their horn too <laughs> much. To, true. You know, <laughs> but the Leafs, the Leafs are good because the Leafs drafted in the top ten, basically for a long period of time. Like they draft, you know, Luke Shen was a bust, but they drafted um, they drafted Kadri, who they who, in my opinion, they should never have traded. Colorado's looking great with them. Yep. And, but then they drafted Nylander, and then they drafted Nylander seventh, Riley fifth, who should have went first. Uh, Marner Marner fourth, and, and, you know, they they sucked, and they lucked out, and they won the lottery, and they hit on Austin Look at the player. Just look at those top ten players that you've listed, the last couple. Nylander, Marner, Riley, and Matthews. And they signed for And they signed a first overall pick in John Tavares, who in my opinion is probably arguably one of the best two hundred foot players in the NHL. But that contract that they handed to him, uh, I didn't like it from the start. Um, they're in a win now mode, so I mean I get it, but their defense would look a lot better probably with a guy like Petrangelo, even though he's on the COVID list, and other defensemen they could have signed to improve their defense. And they would have been probably fine with Kadri as their second-line center. But, you know, Tavares over Kadri every day of the week. So, I mean, I get it. But, you know, but another example though, right there, okay? The Leafs are a good hockey team. You know, they're one of the – even though oh. they, miss, they make the playoffs and they get eliminated, whatever. But the way their division – is lined up this year and the top four teams get in. They got a real shot this year. And the smartest thing they did, and I chirped it from the start when it happened because he's old, but maybe it might've been smart is they brought in Joe Thornton and I know he got hurt and he was playing on the top line with Matthews and Marner. And I don't think he should be a top six guy. He should be on the third line for his age, but that's a veteran leadership. That's a guy who's been there. He's been in the Olympics. He's been in the Stanley Cup Finals. He's seen it all from the old game in the early 2000s all the way up to the new game now. He's seen it all, and he's adjusted. He's a perfect veteran leadership for that team, and he's going to guide those young kids in the right direction. Those are the type of guys that you need to bring in, maybe not that old, but somebody of that like somewhat caliber that's a good hockey player still and a veteran presence that can help these kids learn like who on this team is really helping these kids learn besides the coaches. He's up Zajac the face off that. I'll give him that. Like, yeah. So that's I mean, Travis Zajac. are you going to say that's it? Paul Mary, Paul Mary, Paul Mary, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I could debate that one a little bit. Subban. 
Kind of. I mean, no offense to P.K. Subban. He's not really a guy. <laughs> yeah, but he knows the ins and outs of the league. He's been around. But he does. Um, yeah, he does. But other 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 than that, who on this team is is uh, is a veteran leadership presence? Nico would be a really good leader, but he's not in the clubhouse right now. Right, he's a young. No, leader. and he's young. This is like like Jake was like Jake said. The only issue everybody had was when Marlo was there. It was his third year on his contract, but they brought in Marlo, and that was a good move outside the contract. It's like it's like Joe. Like, I don't know if you agree on this, but it's like it's like when the Devils signed Yarmer Yager. Okay, he was old. He came in. You know, he def he looked like the Yager of old the first year he was here because he put up twenty five goals and he had sixty seven points. He basically almost had seventy points, but then the next year he fell off. But that would have been like with the team we have now that would have been the perfect signing for these kids because the guy's a Hall of Famer. He's a legend. He's arguably one of the greatest players ever. Um, arguably would have broken Gretzky's if he record stayed. or came close if to stay- it if he didn't go to yeah, the KHL for three years. I, I, if Yager came back and he was willing to play in the NHL, I mean, the double signed him to a cheap contract. Hey, I'm all for it. But, I mean, if there's any other active – you know, statesman that wants to play in New Jersey, that'd be that'd be a huge bonus for, you know, the Devils. You know, going forward, just adding some experience to this young core. I mean, I love the fact that we got a lot of young players, and we have a few veterans. But we need another veteran or two that will harness the energy of this young core. And I know the LA Kings look really good and young, but. You got you got to have a few guys harnessing the energy of the team yeah, but, and teaching them on the fly. But don't forget, the LA Kings also have Anze Kopitar and Dustin Brown and Drew Doughty. Right, those are their core pieces. Besides, besides their recent draft. Yeah, so they, they're so their right. kids have somebody to learn from, like like Kaprizov. He's with Minnesota, and he's playing on the first line. But guess what? He's got, He's got former Devils. From. You know. Exactly. There's there's some leaders. You know, Colorado's a young team, so like, I don't know who's up there. In the they're age, just, like, yeah, they're they just have, good. I like, mean, they're, they're just, just really, really good. good. But, like, I'll, I'll name some teams. Like, Anaheim. Those right, young that's kids, why they got so good in the World Juniors. Because everybody was like, look who we trained with. He looked Getzlav. Boston, for example, DeBrusque looks really good. He's got Krejci and Bergeron to learn from. Marsham, when he was coming up, he had Bergeron to learn from. Calgary, all those, some of those kids, they had a Ginla. Like look the list goes Montre- on and look on. What like, Montreal's doing. <coughs> right. Exactly. They got they got but, Weber. And then Na- Nashville has they were. Well, Nashville has y- Yossi. Who's like a Rina and whatnot, but then you go down. Yeah, exactly. Well, the Islanders had a bad. And the loss Island, tonight, like the so. Islanders, you know. No, yeah, exactly. You know, and you go Brock to Philadelphia, just for scored. example. These um these kids in Philly, 
they got they got Hayes to learn from. They got Voracek to learn from. They got freaking Drew to learn. Drew, perfect example. Marlowe, Thornton. Like, you know, and same with Washington. They got Char. All these now. guys, they got Ovechkin. They got Backstrom. Orlov. Exactly. More more veteran leadership for these kids. It would be the proper way, and it would I swear it would go a long way for these kids' development and for them to becoming better NHL players and just I'm learning the it. game. I'm 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 a hundred percent. I get where you're coming from, and I understand it. And the biggest adjustment on the special teams needs to be Will, Will Butcher being on the power play. It, I I just I, I don't get it. Like I really don't get it. So I was, I you know everybody was looking at the you know everybody. I saw a lot of people complaining about the call, the non-call on on Jack Hughes at the at the end of the game, or in the, that led to the second Flyers goal early in the third period. Uh, Lindy Ruff said on the play before the second goal against, he's like, it's a call that you can get, a call you you feel you should get, but it's a call that sometimes you don't. Ruff said Hughes probably should have kept going north instead of turning back in that spot. So they put the onus on the player. Which, which, yeah, exactly. Like I do, I'm, I'm reading stuff here. Like, and New Jersey doesn't have, just doesn't have enough finishers. Yep. That's a fact. Jack Hughes was tripped tonight and it was a missed call. That's a fact. Lindy Ruff. I thought the, Johnson Hughes Brat line. I thought that line dominated. Yep, that's a fact. Oh, can you name another line that dominated for the uh, Next nope, topic. Um, okay, next Sharon topic. Govich, Gusev, and um, and Wood didn't didn't Wood? see the ice. Miles Wood. Right. No, they sucked. The whole line was off. Fact. Fact. The whole line was off. Like, I'm just. I'm not. Yeah. Fact. Yes. Like it's just. You know, we, we've all done this podcast enough with each other that, you know, we're due to have a podcast here where, you know, we get riled up about things. And it's just it's just becoming frustrating as a fan. Like, every single year, you're like, yeah, the Devils are back. Holy crap, we haven't seen them play in 10 months. Oh, okay. They started out nice and hot. they started out hot Fact. out of the gate. It was because yeah, the Kenzie Blackwood was in That's the net. Devils. Fact. It is a fact. I mean, Straight fact. fact. And then they come back and they he yeah. leaves and they suck. It's, it's like again. It's like when you lose your top goalie, like every one of the forwards and the defensemen start losing the chemistry feel for the guy in the back of their own net. It's just I can see it light and day. Yeah, and that's like Joe. It's it's and Jim said this before, right, right Joe that. Mm-hmm. Corey Crawford lost. They lost a veteran. Huge for this team. Was huge. Because the Devils the Devils wouldn't be I guarantee the Devils would not be 3-3 three, three and 2. Uh, if Corey no. Crawford was playing. I can guarantee no. you that. They probably would win. No. They'd be winning winning some games. And you go to Toronto for example. Once again, Frederick Anderson doesn't play. Who comes in and plays for them? Jack Campbell. But he's now he's been hurt. Awesome since he went to the Leafs. Yeah, yeah. He's but hurt and now. he's not hurt. Is he hurt? Okay, so now, so now he's hurt. So now they got to yeah. Now they got Michael Hutchinson and Anderson. So they're basically right. going to ride Frederick Anderson because Hutchinson's awful. But you know, 
Colorado. They got Grubauer and Frank Hoos in that Boston. They got Rask and Halak. Like it's a one-two tandem. No, I mean, look, now. if you Gary guys Price heard what I was talking about on Saturday, I mean, the Montreal Canadiens filled every need at every position to win now. And it started with getting Carey Price a veteran backup goaltender that can win games for when he needs nights off. Do you think it's fair they to have that the Montreal has the deepest depth in the NHL? In the National Hockey League. Deepest team. Yeah. All four lines. Like Tyler Toffoli. Cheap. I think that's an excellent pickup. And Josh Anderson. Yeah. Not to mention and Josh Joel Anderson. Edmondson, veteran leadership, now, who, I, by the way, won a Stanley Cup. Jake Allen won a Stanley Cup. Um, that that gave them depth on the back end. Um, you know, the kids are coming around. Kakaniemi, Suzuki are playing a lot better. Um, you have Deneau to help them out. You know, Gallagher's there. I mean, you just go down. The, the leadership on that team is great, and they're in win-now mode. So, but, And you look at their roster, though, like, and you look at their lines and their, when their lineup and stuff, and you're going, I always do this, and I put a tweet out about it. Like, take notice. Montreal is dangerous. They are very, very good. They have – I don't care how good Vasilevsky's record is every year for Tampa. <laughs> My record would be good playing behind that team. I don't care. Until he retires, Carey Price is the best I mean, they just the put NHL up another game where they scored four goals. And they've scored. And, and but you, you look at their lines. Are they, they don't. You look at their lines, though, and you're going, how is this team 5-0-2? They're not that strong when you look at the lines, but it's the like you said, it's the and play of Cockney not to mention, and Suzuki. Not to mention and, a guy you know, that got ragged when he was up there, but it probably is playing three because Josh Anderson is there now, and that's Jonathan Druin. He's doing yeah, a lot Jonathan better outside Druin of Tampa Bay. Excellent right now. No, but I'm saying he he's got like he doesn't have to be like the whipping boy anymore and he, he's playing with Suzuki and Anderson, and it's given him confidence because he's playing with guys that are skilled and get, the, get him the puck, and he get them, the, and they're just playing well. And the one thing I heard on the Canadians broadcast tonight, and I'll bring it up, and this could really help, like, these veteran coaches, and I hear it all the time. Claude Julien, when he came in, had a certain system that he wanted to play, and it didn't work with that team. Guess what? He adjusted to his players. And it worked. That's right. And it worked. So, it's like, it's a perfect example. And, you know, a buddy of mine, my, my really good Connor friend, Brown. he's, um, he's a big Habs fan. Uh, a couple of my, yeah, a couple of my buddies are. And, uh, but Connor and I were talking, um, the other day and you know he was hyped and he was saying as long as they don't give up Romanoff or Suzuki I'm all for getting Pierre-Luc Dubois and I responded back with him and I'm like <laughs> no you don't I'm like you don't want I'm like you don't want to do that and he's like 
Pierre-Luc Dubois is one of the best upcoming centers in the NHL. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, and are you also just going to ignore that Kakaniemi was lights out in the playoffs? Oh, and by the way, Kakaniemi now has six and points Nick has in seven, game seven or eight games. So, and Suzuki's on a roll. So, the little things like that. Like, I told him. Like, I, we read the thing that the Devils were interested in Dubois. Nah, I don't believe that. Why would the Devils get rid of Heischer or Hughes for Pierre-Luc Dubois? It makes, Heischer, I mean, I kind of would get, but I wouldn't have done that either way. So, unless Dubois was willing to play the wing. But my, I told Connor that Montreal is better off not making that move right now and continue to stay the stay the course and the plan when you have the Caulfield and stuff coming up. And things are on the rise for Montreal. And you got to remember, once once Price retires, their goaltending isn't getting any worse because they got Caden Primu coming up. So nope. Montreal is here to stay, and they're not going anywhere. But it's the same thing with the Devils. They need they got they got some stuff they need to figure out. Um, last topic, I guess I want to discuss with you guys is so Jim Rutherford right. stepped down in Pittsburgh, as you guys know. And Brian Burke mentioned a couple candidates on Sportsnet. I know Elliot Friedman had mentioned it in his 31 Thoughts. We touched on this on, I think, a couple podcasts ago. Um, For some reason, Fitzgerald contract is only Mm -hmm. one year left on the deal. It's a one-year deal. He is getting mentioned an awful lot for that Pittsburgh job, and they want this search to happen to end sooner than later. Why is Fitzgerald getting mentioned when he's a GM of a Whoa. different team right now? Like I just I don't is he just gonna get up and leave in the middle of the season? I, I like, mean, yeah, I'm, look, a, I'm going I've back heard, to Pittsburgh. Like I know his name's been mentioned and, and the contract thing is interesting because it's only one year. But it's also, you know, they you gotta see what in terms of breach of contract is too, because in tampering. Because he is contracted under the New Jersey Devils. It's not like his contract is up and he's going to look for a new team where he was fired. Um, but the guy they have there, I mean, the, the interim guy is probably going to get a chance. I know they want somebody there that can scout young talent. I was just in a Josh show on, on the Leafs lunch today, actually, about or it was yesterday, whenever the episode was. Um, he was talking about it, and, and, you know, Craig Button brought up the point. He's like, why bring in an, uh, a veteran guy that can scout talent when you have somebody there already and who's pretty much put together this team through, through you know, scouting players and doing all this stuff when Rutherford and Shiro were there? It's like, that's a great point. Um, he should get a shot. I don't understand why. I mean, Tommy Fitzgerald, everybody knows you, you know, probably wants to be a GM in the league, and he is right now. But it is interesting to, to, to me that it was only a one-year deal. So that tells me whatever it went on with John Chaika was more than just, you know, hey, we're going to bring you in and do something. I mean, John Chaika's – up by like the end of the year, so, if I'm correct. I was just getting an update from the score. He can't get back into the National Hockey League until December of 2021. All right. So basically, 
are are you trying to say that when all comes due for the next upcoming season, you're saying that it's a possibility Tom Fitzgerald leaves? Yeah. So, and yeah. what's the possibility of Cheka actually becoming the GM of the Devils? Is it I, I, don't, I don't know if he'll be a GM, but he may come in to the organization. There's a reason why the Devils asked permission to speak with this. And I don't, I don't, I understand that they want him to come in and be like the HSBC, like over the operations and stuff like that with um, Harris and Blitzer and O'Neill. But like you can say that all you want, but if Chaikus allowed back in in December of 2021, Fitzgerald has one year left on his contract. I mean, yeah, kind of connect the dots a little bit, I guess. But And, I mean, I'm not saying that they should let him go to Pittsburgh because I think letting Fitzgerald go would be the biggest mistake this team makes. Because I think he deserves his shot. He's more than proved he's a hell of a general manager. But if, they, if they're going to replace him, if he ends up leaving down the line and say he does go to Pittsburgh, which, I mean, is possible because I'm pretty sure he's got some family that resides there. Um, I think if the Devils have to wait until December of 2021 and say Chaika is the guy that they do target, um, if they're going off for an intern GM, like, you just know. Maybe he doesn't take it. Maybe he does. But yeah, you just know Marty Verdeur is going to be the guy they have as an intern GM. There's so no the other guy really that's going to be the interim GM there. Um, Hexall, like Botterell, Shirelli, John Ferguson Jr., and Chris Jury. John Ferguson. Yeah, wait, that's John the list Ferguson that Brian Burke put, put on Sports years ago. Oh my God! No, Johnny Ferguson Jr. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> everybody remembers. Oh, traded the rights to Tuka Rask. Oh to God. That's a bad trade. Yeah, Andrew right. Raycroft. Yep, Tuka Ross for Andrew. Oh, Andrew Ray. Hang on, hang on, though. Hang on. As good and Tuka Rask was touted as one of the best goalie yep. prospects in a long time. Okay, but people also for somewhat forget that Andrew Raycroft. Yeah, he was. was. He played really well for the for like two, he three did. years there. A Vesna. Right. But, and he was a Vesna candidate out of Boston. So, but, and he won 38 games. He set a record for Leaf wins the goalie. But it was bad. Like, and it was a, it was hilarious that the Leafs even won 38 games that year because their first line, I think, was like Antropov, Sundin, and Ponikarovsky. And then, like, <laughs> They had like how yeah. oh my god top minutes with Caberlade, whatever. So they oh and yeah, was, was, was Vesa Toskla on that team I don't, as a I goalie? Don't remember. I think Raycroft and Toskla were were on that team then because I remember I read a quote because it was I heard a quote on NHL Network. It was during the Devils' run for the final. 
to the finals in 2012 when Maurice picked the Devils right at the beginning of the playoffs to go to the finals. Um, he he was asked, "Why didn't it work out for you in Toronto?" And you know what he said? <laughs> no, I didn't have a goaltender who could stop the puck. Yeah, he did. He did. And he's like, yeah, we had Vesa Toskala and uh, Andrew Raycroft. And it just, once we got into overtime or a shootout, I was never confident. And I knew we was going to be the goaltender could never stop the puck. Yeah. I I think it's arguably one of the best goaltenders. Is arguably the best goalie in the NHL. With Price and Best. Are, are we yeah, set so, in on yeah, having so Fitzgerald get another two to three years, or are we thinking John Chega comes in as GM? Personally, for me, if I'm running this team, Fitzgerald should have had a two, three-year contract to begin with. So so I don't know what's going on. Um, exactly. So I don't – again, it goes all back to direction. And what are the ownership on the same page? Because from the intel I've gotten, things I've seen, people I've talked to, Blitzer and Harris have never been on the same page since the Shiro firing. And that's a problem. Huh. So what... I mean, I guess we can break down the Shiro thing a little bit because, like, I'm, and, I'm and, still and if you remember correctly, by that because that came out of oh, nowhere. Oh, we have a difference in philosophy and we want to go in a different direction. Wait. So, in the, the six months from when you allowed him to trade for P.K. Stuban, acquire um, Nikita Gusev, draft Jack Hughes. Gusev. Wayne Simmons. Simmons. What changed? Wayne Simmons. Because you knew this team wasn't going to be any good, and they were still rebuilding. Yeah, and I, you know what? he? I think the best way for me to describe it is Shiro's problem is, you know, he was GM – Assistant GM in Nashville. He was assistant GM in Ottawa. He and you know what? People give Ray Shiro credit for building that friggin' Pittsburgh team. And you know what? No, 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 no. Ray Shiro did not build jack shit in Pittsburgh. He walked into a situation where Craig Patrick had drafted Mark Andre Fleury, Chris Letang. Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin because the team was close to going freaking bankrupt. Yeah. The team was going to go it, bankrupt. It, it, it and is move. true. That is a true story. They were going to go bankrupt and move. And then, and then that year, for some reason, every team had the same odds to win the lottery. Did they really, though? Because somehow Pittsburgh was going bankrupt and getting ready to move. And then Crosby I think, got drafted I think there, he gets credit all for the smooth sailing from that Two on. and three. Shiro drafted more than he gets credit for the one. Because even though Jim Rutherford's name is, is yeah. credited so as the GM you for, at- you know, 16 and 17, you can say Ray Shiro put in the hard yards to get the players to set yeah, up a lot of, 16 some, and 17. That is correct. 
Yeah. Yeah, like Ichiro drafted Gensel and, and Dumoulin and, you know, he had drafted Jordan Stahl there who was good, really good in Pittsburgh. Like, and it, it's funny you look back on that and you're going, oh, crap, they took Jordan Stahl ahead of Jonathan Taves. <laughs> Imagine if Pittsburgh had had Crosby, Malkin, and Taves. And then the Dumoulin and Mattapix. When they were so good. But. Yeah. Yeah, the Mata pick was a little. They, had, I think he didn't. He draft Connor Shearer. Dumoulin was good. Um, UMass boy. He drafted Connor Shearer, Gensel, uh, Thomas Kunackle. Like he, there were some good rust. Like he drafted some good players there. It's just, you know, he gets credit for building that Pittsburgh team, and you know, but he made some good trades to help. Didn't the he win bring in Sakura too? And, um, he brought in Hosa for that run and Hornquist. He did, yeah. Max Talbot was there too. Like he brought in some good. Yeah, Hornquist, another one. He brought in James Neal. Like, but that's an example. Like that, you know. Like, like we're all making here to our listeners is Shiro was not the proper man for the job. You know, it was a good hire, I guess, but they could have maybe done it a little differently but who knows if Shiro wasn't GM, well, would the Devils have been that bad and got he sure and then got Hughes probably would have been but you know looking back on it like Lamorello when he brought well, in Schneider that cost actually, us a shot at McDavid and Matthews or Liney whoever you want to call him Michael but you know Matthews. if you look at the algorithm like how the, huh. it was Matthews was that Matthews or Matthews or McDavid? Yep. They were picking twelfth. They just about yeah, moved I up to first. It, I remember seeing the, the lottery wow. the way it came out. I remember I have a I don't know where I put the picture, but I probably can find it. But I remember somebody sending it to me saying, Hey, this is what just came out. I'm like, wait, the devils were a number away from getting Austin Matthews. They're like, Yeah. I'm like, Oh Whoa. Like okay, like yeah. So, but the Shiro thing, like as we we're saying, is Shiro's problem is he was always saying, "Oh yeah, we're gonna rebuild this thing. We're gonna let the kids play." Well, not did, enough. When did the kids play? It was all Hines. When he was here. all Hines' show. Not and, and, it, and he was too loyal but, too. That was his biggest problem too. He was too loyal. He was. He, he was too. He was like Lamorello. He was too loyal to some players, and he swung for the fences. Okay, like I will give Cheryl credit. He gave us stuff to talk about because he made he made big trades, and you know whatnot. But he avoided free agency, which I mean I guess is a smart thing. But at the same time, like rebuilding or not, like you gotta spend some freaking money. Yeah, to improve and then go to the draft. It's like football. You spend in free agency, you add free agencies before the draft. So you well, that's why I wonder, and then you fill the other holes that, when you go to the draft. That's the, way it, that's the way it goes. Is what would the NHL draft look like if free agency was before the draft? I, I think it would have been a wonderful idea. I think it would be smart. Because then you have the free agency, you can fill holes, and then you know 
you know what you're looking for going into the draft. But yeah, I mean, it is what it, it is, is. But like, are the Devils yeah, probably top right. fifteen, in the top ten again this year in the draft. Probably yeah, top I fifteen. I I like a lot of the picks in this year's draft, mostly in the defense column. Maybe not as much for the forwards, but there's still some really good blood that I like. But the problem is it's the same old story, and, and you know, it, it comes to a point in time where you start need to see results. And and it, it's like, Jake, you know, up in Ontario. That's right. You know, the team, you know, in Ottawa, it's great that they got younger. It's great they have all these picks coming in. Eventually, they're going to need results. Um, Toronto finally seeing results. You can That's only right. sell a rebuild to a fan base for so long, and then the fan base is like, "Okay, I went through what how did many you do years for, for for rebuild. When are my results?" Yeah, like the Leafs started rebuilding in '05. It started because they were loaded with all those veterans, like with Belfour and Neuendijk and Roberts and McGillney and all them. Like that team was from like 01 to 01 to 04. That Leafs team was loaded. They probably should have won a Stanley Cup. They never did. They, they ran into the a Devils hot Philadelphia in team in the playoffs two years, three years they in a row. They lost to Carolina in 02. And... Yeah. Yeah, and then they ran into Philly two years in a row. and But the Leafs took from 05 to 2017 to rebuild. So it does it – does, some of them do take 10 to 12 years. It's just a matter of no, drafting. I, I say, like everybody talks say, about, oh, Tampa Bay, no, they, was, they were crap. Yeah, they were. Build- I think 13 was the year they finally turned it around though. Like when Phil Kessel came in and they made, and they made the playoffs that one year to Boston to seven and blew the lead. Yeah. You could see things were on the, uh, we're on the ups for the Leafs then and then whatnot. So it's just, it's a matter of, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of, okay, when? When when are we going to see this? Like, like I appreciate Fitzgerald's comments when he did his, um, finally did his Zoom conference uh, after free agency or whatever, and he said, yeah, we'll spend money when Nico and Jack uh, take off and then show us that we're ready, but it's like, like as much as I appreciate that, and he's not—he's somewhat not wrong, but the I could somewhat disagree with him because all I kept to keep thinking is, okay, that's great if they're going to take off, but they need they need some goal scoring and guys that can set them up playing with them for yeah. them to take off. So, what like, point I don't want to really come off too zero. Like, it's like once you get Jack and. Um, Nico back and Sami, it's like you get all these pieces working together all at once. And do you question yourself, go get, you know, a veteran in a trade or something like that? You know, I think they just need to piece like a few really good veteran players 
they don't have to be expensive contracts. They could be cheap contracts and, you know, use them to build some character and leadership. Like, like we were talking about earlier in the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think we, yeah, we, right, we guys, went through a so, lot tonight. Um, I think we touched on a lot here. No problem. Um, no problem at all. you guys coming on. Um, that'll do it. For another, that'll do it for another edition of Raising Hell in Jersey. Um, probably do a good, I guess, yeah, we should do one Saturday if you guys Sunday. are available oh, after the game and then Sunday, Sunday after the game because it's a one o'clock start, so we won't have to Good, work. right, 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 perfect. Can do Both it. Game Can Saturday and Sunday at one p.m. Rumble is Sunday. Perfect. Yeah. Let's go. Devils. Let's go. Devils. All right. So, till next time, guys. <laughs> yeah. Let's go, Devils, and hopefully, yes, please. Hopefully, we see some better results. <laughs>